0: Today's episode with Chris and Holly Santillo discusses the importance of teaching our children independence and resilience in a generation that has become heavily focused on dependency. Many millennial parents are fearful of allowing their children to live independently because they worry about the disconnect in their relationship. Many individuals who are parents now want to do things differently than their parents. However, Chris and Holly discuss how independence actually creates a real connection between parent and child. They discuss the importance of allowing our children to explore, to make decisions on their own, to fail and to learn from that failure, and so much more. Let's jump into today's conversation. Hey friends, we were never promised that life would be easy. Sometimes it is hard and super crazy, but when we do life together, we find that it becomes a lot easier and much more fun. I believe in joyful life, in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. I love to dig deep and talk about the really raw things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I'm also passionate about sharing practical tips that have helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. We will laugh together and struggle together. You will hear honest insights on strengthening your faith and your marriage, parenthood, how-tos, and so much more so that you can live life and live it with joy. I am Lindsay Maestas. Welcome to the Living Easy Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. My name is Lindsay Maestas and I'm so honored to have you all here. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about parenthood, and raising children with resiliency. This is something I'm very, very eager to discuss, and I have Chris and Holly Santillo here to talk with me about it all. Hey, guys. Hello, hello. Hey, thanks so much for being here. They are here from Ireland, which is just really exciting for me. I have a question. Is it really gloomy over there? Like, Can it just get kind of dreary?
1: Today, I would say it was a technical term, spanking hot. (laughs) Okay. Down yeah, here it, it was. It was more than,
2: it was above 65, which really like you, you kind of want to go get your
0: sunshade <laughs> Oh my
1: gosh. That it, it was about as perfect as it gets. No, it was lovely.
0: Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Well, I love hearing that and I'm so honored to have you all here. So tell me a little bit about how you got started in this space. I know that there's some martial arts background. What has that looked like for you as you have grown and why is this a topic that you're passionate about discussing?
1: We love being parents. Yeah. Like, I think- yeah, <laughs> maybe that's that's it. We we love being parents. Um, well, but I
2: think our journey started before that sure as did, well, because yeah. we we we've been teaching martial arts uh, since long before we. Uh, had children Mm. and so and and you can't teach and we teach adults as well as children and and in some cases the best scenarios where you're teaching the parents and the children both and so you see both sides of the of the relationship and you get to talk to each of them from different spaces Mm. and um so as strange as it was i was getting asked parenting advice long before i had my own children uh because of the interactions that we had and um it was and then all of a sudden having our own kids you kind of you have an appreciation uh that i i think is is hard to come by otherwise uh unless you have that kind of experience. Mm. And uh, so we had a lot of thoughts on parenting before we had our own, (laughs) which (laughs) is some of them very good.
1: Not unusual, really. No,
2: I don't think so. I don't think so. And, uh, but I also always had such an appreciation for for the difference in relationship that a parent has uh, with their children versus what a martial arts instructor. Like, is obviously, needless to say, uh, a very, very different relationship. And, uh, and, it's a little off topic, but we chose not to teach our children martial arts. Our, our students, uh, some of our assistant instructors have always taught them martial arts as important as I think it is because I wanted to have a, a relationship with them as a parent mm-hmm and wanted them to have a relationship with an instructor which i think is another formative experience for them uh as two distinct uh relationships but that uh, i think that was kind of a, the uh the starting word our journey our, our absolute knowing of absolutely everything that you could possibly know <laughs> and having kids mm-hmm. finding out we didn't know yeah. everything that you could possibly know and then just kind of trying to weave those two together
0: yeah i love that saying you're a great parent until you're a parent and then you yeah. figure it all out as you go. <laughs> I am curious, actually. My son is. Um, we we're talking about putting him in jujitsu, both of my boys, um, or some form of martial arts. Why do you feel like having that instructor, or having that the instructor, or having that discipline in their lives is so important? Like, what does martial arts give to a child that you think is beneficial for their long term growth?
1: I have an answer for that because I've, I've given it a lot of thought myself. It's something that I never wanted to do, by the way, Lindsay. Martial arts was what my smelly younger brother did. And I was like,
2: hmm, <laughs>
1: <is> <laughs> I am not interested. Stop asking me. But I eventually gave in and and uh, I loved it. I, I came to it as an adult. Mm. And and even as an adult, I learned that what I get from martial arts and what others, I, I assume, are getting as well is that feeling of accomplishment from very little bits and pieces step-by-step step, incremental progression towards a worthwhile goal mm. it's a feeling of success it's a feeling of being challenged and scared and then able to overcome those challenges and fears mm-hmm.
2: yeah. i also think yeah. it, it cr- it's a very nice environment for a child and you can you know a child can have those experiences on a on a sports team or you know in a musical environment or you know, there's so many different places i don't you know as, as much as i believe in the value of martial arts i don't want to imply it's the only the only path um but there's something nice about the the individuality of martial arts the fact that you're you're not competing on a team our our kids also play some team sports mm-hmm. uh, here in Ireland you can Gaelic football and and hurling you can look those <laughs> okay. up they're fascinating sports um But then all of a sudden you have like your personal accomplishment and you have the team's accomplishment and sometimes they go coincide and sometimes they don't. And, you know, and so you can have that, that creates some, some dissonance, but in an individual activity like martial arts, you have an opportunity to just kind of really focus on your own journey. There's also something I think that's neat about the relationship that develops year over year with the same instructor versus uh, another, some other activities where you might move from one teacher to another each year or, or coach to another coach. And, and there's, you know, we've had students that have been with us for 10, 15, 20 years and, you know, uh, watching them grow up, sending them off to college, seeing them come back from college, you know, that you get um, you get a chance to really see the arc of a life yeah. in, uh, in a martial arts studio that, that you don't necessarily get in in other activities. Yeah,
1: Would you say too that people get a chance to develop interpersonal relationships with martial arts because you have to be able to trust your partner well um, you have to be able to treat other people well in order to train safely
2: I remember i uh, I started as a teenager and um we went uh on a trip one time to china and um as a as a school with our uh, with a bunch of our students and i you know I was rooming with one of my fellow students and he was he was as old enough to be my father maybe a little bit more so um And i just remember reflecting on what an interesting experience it was to interact with all of these uh, that was kind of a a particular instance but all of these different people who i never otherwise would have interacted with as a a 17 or 18 or 19 year old child i was interacting with people in their you know 20s 30s 40s 50s um i think there was one student in their 60s at that point and um one guy was the 50 percent owner and president of a multi-state electronics store Uh, you know, with a big house on the hill. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that until I'd known him for two years. You know, one woman was a mother of two, one of the children my age. You know, like I I got a chance, you get a chance to interact with people that you just never, ever would. And you go into the dojo and and you take off all of your other titles and you take off all of your other responsibilities and you take off all of your other um, places you are, you know, things you are in life. And you just put on this uniform and they're all of the uniforms are the same. Mm -hmm. And we get to interact with each other in ways and uh, in ways that I think, uh, you don't see in a lot of other settings. And I think that was really formative and, and can be very powerful for a child.
1: Yeah.
0: So in a nutshell,
1: I'm glad to hear that you're giving it a go. <laughs> very much so. I'm
0: sure they'll love yeah, it. Yeah. I, I, I've seen it so much in um, – you know, if I'm totally honest, I thought it was like such a nerdy thing when I was a little kid. <laughs> and I, mm-hmm. I I can kind of relate to you, Holly. <laughs> I was like, no, that's not my thing. But you know what's so interesting is I've witnessed the growth of those people that I went to elementary school, middle school with who did those things. And it, to see the discipline and structure in their lives even now as adults is one of the most impactful things to me that makes my me want to put my boys in because mm. I just see – the kind of the maturity, you know, and the the discipline that they had for themselves that really just Mm. progressed along with them as they grew up. And so I'm, I really was excited when I saw your names come through to have this conversation because it's, it's very impactful and to see how it's also impacted your lives in the way that you're, ministering to other people and sharing truth with other people is so helpful. And I want to talk about that. So your new book, Resilience Parenting, Raising Resilient Children in an Era of Detachment Independence. Can you talk a little bit about this era of detachment and independence? Why do you feel that we are in a generation that maybe is described as that?
1: It's mm,
0: Chris is going to be Like, be careful. <laughs> oh, no, we we're not careful on this. Office. We're not careful here.
2: We're not careful here.
0: We're honest here. So one of the oh, themes
2: I... of one of the themes in the book is this idea of connection and independence. And uh and then one of the things that I just want to say, uh, you know, from every mountaintop that I can that I can find as loudly as I can is that there is no trade-off between connection and independence. And mm. I I feel sometimes like this is, uh, that that is believed by many people, and I, I believe very strongly and that a person can be independent or, or they could be connected to the people around them, but that they, they can't be both. And I, I would argue if you look at the happiest, most successful people that you know, they are the people who can make their own decisions, stand on their own two feet to do the, the things that they need to do to move powerfully through their lives, but at the same time, have wonderful and powerful connected relationships with their friends, their family, their community. And, uh, and that's what we want for our children. Um, we, we want it for ourselves too, I suspect. Mm-hmm. And, um, but whether it's modern technology, we can blame technology. If we want, we can blame social media. Like, you know, either we can blame, um, uh, you know, people working too many hours and, and not spending enough time with their children. You know, there, there are a thousand root causes probably. Um, but what we observe around us is, is many children who are not connected to their friends, their family, and to their community around them. Um, and I, I say kids, but I, I think that's true of a lot of adults as well. And then a lot of children as well who are not able to stand on their own two feet meaningfully and can't um, you know, advocate for themselves uh, in appropriate ways because they've been, and, I, and again, I, I'm getting to, I'm, I'm adding my, my explanation of causes with, with the diagnosis at the same time. Oh, that's
0: okay. I like it.
2: <laughs> because they've been assisted so much by this this era of helicopter parenting and whatnot where we're we're taking such good care of our children that they don't have to take care of themselves mm-hmm. and then they go off into the world unable to do so because we've inadvertently handicapped them. It was always with the best of intentions. Mm-hmm. You know, we wanted to help them, uh, but we we did so much for them that they never learned how to do for themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit, one thing I see on, you know, TikTok as you scroll through one is this villainization of boomer parents right it is this disconnected detached parenting where these children are feeling like my the grandparents don't want anything to do with my children they were never really around they were which granted most of them were working and but they're they kind of have this rhetoric of I'm suffering because of it. I need therapy because of it. And I always joke like my boys are going to need therapy because of me for something, you know, no matter how hard I try, <laughs> they're going to we'll go to therapy. Yeah, they'll <laughs> be in therapy. So, and I, I see it, but I think that people are trying the millennials and even Gen Z, they're trying to switch this rhetoric to be parents who are maybe really close friends with their children. They're very supportive. They're very present, very available. But you're saying that this could be damaging to children. Is that correct? Am I clarifying that this could actually be damaging in the amount of time that we're spending, the amount of time maybe we're enabling our children?
2: Right. Well, that's that's the way human beings are, right? The pendulum swing. Mm-hmm. You know, we say, oh, I, my parents did this. I'm never ever going to do that. And we go, you know, do our very best to do the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I want to say again is the idea that yes, I believe, um, it is very possible that the boomer dad, I was raised by boomers, um, uh, uh, who I, um, I was visiting just was two days mm-hmm. ago and they're, they're wonderful people. And I'm very grateful to them for a lot of things, which. But if you, you're absolutely right, their method of parenting is very different from our method of parenting. Okay. And, uh, and there was a greater degree on average of detachment than in the method of parenting. And, and if there was a lack in, and obviously they were making huge generalizations here. Um, if there was a lack in, in our upbringing, uh, those of us who were raised by boomers, it was just like you say, in that connection, it was, you know, go and do what you've been told to do and, you know, come to me when you're done and we'll talk about it then. And, you know, not a lot of this handholding, uh, and that created a lot of independence. And, and a generation of people who figured out how to get stuff done on their own because they had no choice because they were left to that. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I feel that the solution- I can totally
1: speak to that. I just, you know, personally, yes, I a boomer, a boomer child and my folks worked until six o'clock in the evening. I basically took care of myself at Mrs. Dottie Allred's house, you know, just wandered around the, the block, yeah. breaking rocks and stuffing leaves breaking in people's rocks. mailboxes and playing Mother May I. I Lots <laughs> of good times. So anyway- <laughs> wandering around. And, and if it was snack time, then, then someone would be able to find me. But um, and then my mom, we, we got to teenage years and my mom kind of wondered, why does my kid not really want to talk to me? Mm. You know, why are we not friends? And I was like, uh, because I don't even know you mom, mm. you know. <laughs> yeah.
2: But the solution is not to, uh, to take away the independence. The solution is to add the a connection, yeah. And I and I and I and I just again, this is my screaming from mountaintops. They are not mutually exclusive. So if we see a weakness, if we see a weakness in in this case the the boomer parenting methodology of lots of independence, not enough connection. The solution is not to take away the independence. The solution is to add the connection. So uh, I'm your parent. I'm going to ask you to do this task. I'm going to answer appropriate questions. I'm going to give you an age appropriate, developmentally appropriate level of support and scaffolding to help you accomplish this task. And then I'm going to step back and I'm going to allow you to sink or swim in a, again, developmentally appropriate uh, level of risk and and appropriate level of of, uh, uh, danger and and whatnot. And I'm going to let you own that outcome. And so we have this, and then I'm going to talk to you afterwards. We're going to have a postmortem on the experience and we're going to learn and we're going to grow. And I'm going to let you own this experience that you then get to use that to build your independence but because of how we experience this challenge we get to develop our connection as as a as a parent and a child mm-hmm. and so there you can do both mm-hmm. But taking away, like say, no, because my parents uh, you know, made me all independent and made me walk home from school by myself and weren't there because they were working, I'm going to coddle my child and do their laundry for them and do wash their dishes for them for their entire lives sure. and never ask them and do their homework and rewrite their their assignments for them, it doesn't, doesn't answer the problem. And I don't, and I would argue it doesn't create the degree of connection that we want anyway, because mm-hmm when we behave, what what I see parents do is behave in some cases as veritable servants to their children, Mm. doing everything for them. I There was a gentleman I was talking to once who said, as long as she gets good grades, that's all I ask of my daughter. So I bring her, you know, food, I bring her breakfast in her room so she can keep studying, blah, blah, blah. And like, so you just act as a servant to your child. And And it sounds
1: like a biohazard. Yes. (laughs)
2: Yes. <laughs> you're just thinking of your teenage Us. years again what you're thinking of. You're thinking of your room as a teenager. And uh, that doesn't build connection. That that girl isn't connected to that person. She looks down her nose. She should be looking down her nose at him, unfortunately. So uh, I think that there's ways of developing both of these things that we want
0: for her. You know, that's something I consider a lot now as a mama of two boys. It's very important to me to raise men. And to raise, you know, I see in this sphere, I'm very focused on marriage and relationships in my uh, ministry, and my business. And I see so many women, you know, receiving, sending emails to me about feeling like they're parenting their husband. And then these men sometimes are expecting that. And it's been really interesting because I use, I mean, honestly, I use TikTok as a research tool. It's been very fascinating to me. And I see some of these dynamics playing out. And one of them I recently saw was a mama who was joking about how her son really can't do anything without them. And he's 16 mm. and he was calling his sister. And I'm not trying to call anyone out here because teach his own, but he was calling his sister and to ask what he got on his Subway sandwich. And so she had to walk him through every single thing. And I immediately envisioned <laughs> this reliance upon his wife in five to 10 years and what that would look like and this burden it would place on her to not have a man. And I'm very thankful to have a man who is probably a better housewife than I am. Like He's just king of dishes and laundry and he just really, really is very helpful and a partner in my home. And I I desire to raise my boys in the same way where they are a spouse rather than a child to their spouse. Mm. Um, And so I want to talk about this a little bit. What are some practical ways that we as parents can help our children to be resilient and to be independent.
1: Okay. Well, you're going to take us probably to the three pillars then, I'd say. In the book, we discuss learning, and we discuss integrity and service. And those are three three lenses at which to, to kind of hone what should we focus on. As parents, um, now right off the bat, your question made me made me think specifically about service because you're talking about chores and in the home, and that's one great way to teach kids about service. Mm-hmm. You know, right there, you've already hit talked about it yourself. Um, but you can also be learning how to serve uh, outside of your family as well, and that makes you not just a great spouse, but a great member of community of society. Sure, and teaching service to kids can be really easy, Lindsay. It doesn't have to be anything enormous, right? In fact, if, mm-hmm. if we present service as something that you do when when you've graduated or you go off and work for Greenpeace and you don't really touch on it until then, I think you're you're out of luck, right? You need to teach them that service is as simple as writing a letter to grandma or even more simple, it's smiling to somebody who seems like they're having a tough day, or giving them a hug, you know. So in the book, we break down service into four different categories. It's labor, it's teaching, acts of justice, and I'm forgetting one, Chris. Gifts. Gifts. And, and we teach not only that they you use these four four ways to kind of help kids reach for how they can be of service to other people, give them those definitions, right? But also talk about the scale. It can be small the very smallest gift is still practicing service.
2: And then, from a practical standpoint, you know what this looks like is is finding all of the things that happen in the household that need to happen. You know, at the risk of you know overdramatizing, you know, make a list of you know what do eighteen year olds uh, when they when they go out into the world need to be able to do, and figure out like mm-hmm. what is our trajectory. Well, like my child needs to be able to feed himself. He needs to be balance his checkbook. He needs to be able to uh, you know negotiate a lease on a on an apartment. He needs to be able to you know get into college. Um, Sorry for all the he's. We only, we have three boys. Yeah. So. Oh, you have boys too. Hey, eh? I relate. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> he or she or they need to be able to do all of these different tasks, all of these things that, that, as you say, adult, real human beings need to be able to do and should be able to do without any uh, assistance uh, from from the, a spouse or a partner or a parent or a sister, um, which isn't, you know, we're a very happy partnership, uh, Holly and I, but it is, important. I, I was actually just gone for the last week. Uh, and I asked her at some point. I was I was went back to the states to visit family and and uh, and whatnot. And I I asked Holly if I was able welcome to come back because she was, she seemed to be having so much fun. She's like, I'm at a dinner party. I'm going to a festival. She she like painted the mantle in the living room. I'm seeing like pictures and I, and I did this and I and I burned all your clothes that I didn't like. And, you know, I, love it. I really I'm
0: a, I'm a different woman when my husband's out of town. Oh yeah, she was. She can relate
2: are you really going to pick me up at the airport? Because it seems like you're having a lot of fun without me, but she, she let me come back, which was wonderful. That's good. And uh, you know, but it's important, you know, she was having a good time. I was having a good time. And, and in order to have a healthy relationship, you need to be able to have that where that, that you can do your thing and they can do their thing. And then you can come together and do your thing together. And that all of those are, are good, positive experiences. And that's just what you described. About having a this uh, child that this I'm sorry, this man child that needs to be parented by his wife mm-hmm. is uh, is is very much what we want to avoid.
1: A thought came mm-hmm. from what you're saying there, Chris. You know I'm picturing this wonderful list of of all that we want to teach our kids before they're eighteen. Um, it It doesn't have to be written down. It can be much more organic mm-hmm. and and in fact, some of our favorite times with our kids are when we realize, well, let me back up. Some of my least favorite times are when I feel like I'm the one doing all the work around the house, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I'm sure Chris can relate to that as well. And some of my favorite times are when I pluck the kids out of whatever they're doing. Now, it works much better if, if it's prepped and like, by the way, tomorrow night, mm-hmm. you and I are cooking dinner together. Or, you know what, Jack? Tomorrow, I'd really like to work on putting that cupboard up in the shed with you and thereby we're not only teaching them the skills of putting up a cupboard in the shed or how to scramble up an egg but we're also connecting you know it's and we don't feel we don't feel just living in our own separate worlds like you said Chris we we are creating something together I I can't tell you how happy it makes me to share those those simple tasks with my kids and it and sometimes they turn to me and they say wonderful things like, I really love cooking with you, mama. And I try not to break down a (laughs) deal.
2: It's just marvelous. And and the rewards are, are, are multiple, you know, are, are, I'm looking for a positive uh, multiplicative, uh,
1: multiplicative, yeah. yep, that's
2: yeah. the one. There are many that's facets right. to the, you know, to the benefits. That not only are we are we sending someone who is going to have this this hypothetical future adult life that's very positive. We also are creating a person who has a more positive life experience. One, one of the things that a recurring theme in our family and our conversations is we want to have a harmonious household, and. Mm-hmm that means that when we speak to each other we want to speak to each other in ways that are constructive and um i get i get weird looks i think sometimes from parents cuz i i pull my kids aside and i said i don't like the way that you the two of you you know you, you know one brother said this to the other brother and then they said this and 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 somebody this was maybe just a couple of weeks ago somebody said like they didn't do anything wrong and i said well they didn't do anything wrong but they didn't do anything right either right then there and there's no um that this brother so oh, I don't want to play that game or whatever. And then they said, well, then I'm not going to do this. Or whatever. And it just, the, the tone of voice isn't what it, what it should be. And there's an opportunity just at that smallest little instigation that we can improve the harmony of the household by how we speak to each other. And there's an opportunity to, to learn, to improve how we interact. Well, one of the other ways that it makes our household more harmonious is when we're helpful that when I start washing dishes and my son comes over and says, is there something I can do to help? Oh gosh, like the world, that. the world works a little bit better. Right. And when yeah. someone says, Oh, I'll grab that for you. it's was like, Oh, I, you know, did you want me to grab another knife for you? Cause I'm up at the cupboard anyway, you know, that when we, when we behave in those ways, the world is better. And if you draw this out and you, and you point this out to your children and you say, when you behave this way, it, is your life experience better or worse? And, and it's, it's unambiguously better. And when your brother behaves mm. this way, is it better or worse? It's unambiguously better. And that if we can teach them to serve each other, not when we've they've been told to, not when they have to, not when they've been bribed to, but because they see that it makes for a more harmonious experience in their home, they will learn to do it more and more. And it creates a beautiful experience in life and it lets them do things than they couldn't otherwise do. Um, mm. We... Our children, they're nine, 11, and thirteen, and because of the methods, and we we have a perhaps a strange life trajectory. About three years ago, we we sold our house and we we spent two and a half years uh, traveling around the world nomadically.
0: So fun! Uh, yeah, it was my a, dream. It was well, you <laughs> should do
2: it. Absolutely do it, and uh, we can we can talk about that another time. Um, okay and uh you know and so they're you know asking where the toilet is in chinese and they're they're trying to figure out how in mongolian to ask how to pet a dog and and they're <laughs> you know we're trying to figure out how to retrain you know uh, to navigate trains platforms in vietnam and uh mm-hmm. and, and things like this and and you have this experience of, and, and now you're going to go to the park. We saw it yesterday when we were walking to the restaurant. It's just down the street and on the left. Go ahead and find the park. And if you can't remember how to get back to the hotel, just ask someone and I'm sure they'll tell you the way. And when you when you create that kind of independence, then they have an opportunity to go do things on their own that they wouldn't otherwise be allowed to. So they they have free reign of the town we live in. They bike to their sports practice. They bike to their, to their piano lessons. They can go to the playground anytime they want on their bikes. themselves and uh they can go to the, the the coffee shop and buy a scone if they want to uh with their own money and but all of that was through this this uh developmental process of training and you can go do these things and then we can talk about these experiences later and have connection and get connection from from recapping their experiences
1: so practical ways—that was your original question, right, Lindsay? What did we get with so their? Oh,
0: that was all very—it was practical. yes. Okay. <laughs> well, and I want to share one thing. I because as you share this, it's so interesting to me. We've experienced this recently. Our boys are four and seven, so they're getting into the stage now where we take them to do more things with us, and it's not like we're pulling out our hair and it's just kind of stressful. They're enjoying it, and we're enjoying it, and we're watching them learn. And one thing that I have noticed, you know, is I sometimes fall into the pattern of trying to parent like everybody else parents. And there are great tactics in everything that everyone teaches. But when you get out into the real world and they have the opportunity to walk up and order their own coffee, or they have the opportunity to go to the bank with you and sit down and ask questions or go fishing, you know, and have to tie their own line and figure those things out. That's really when it's the life experience, right? Because you can talk at them all that you want. But it is, it's is—it's allowing them, as you're saying, to be a part of real life and giving them the tools and the resources, but also letting them figure it out on their mm. own a little bit and, and allowing them to fail and to fall and exactly. to say, okay, now, yeah. now what? Now how do we work through this? And one thing that I thought as you were speaking is I can imagine a lot of listeners kind of backtracking a little bit, a lot of listeners thinking, Yes, all that sounds great. Doing chores sounds great. But what happens when all my kid does is whine and complain and throw themselves on the floor because they don't want to help? What are some ways that you work through that? One thing I heard that you mentioned, Holly, was giving a plan. And that's something that's been very important in our home is not ripping my boys out of something that they're doing. Like, hey, I see that you're playing a game that you love. Stop right now and come with me. (laughs) (laughs) They're (laughs) going to – that resentment – it starts immediately, you know, yeah. and the emotions, but saying, hey, tomorrow or, hey, in two hours, I'm setting an alarm on Alexa. That's like our lifeline here. Yeah. <laughs> setting an alarm on Alexa in two hours at this time, we're going to do this. And wow, it has changed because I used to be like more impulsive. Let's just get things done. But having that where they can prepare is so good because I don't like urgency. Like I don't like someone else's emergency becoming my emergency. Mm -hmm. I don't want to put that on my kids either. So, but what are some other ways that we can avoid, not necessarily avoid the complaining because it's bound to happen, but maybe work through some of the complaining and the whining.
1: Okay, um, one thing I love—I love, I love the, the timer, by the way, and and the sticking to something a, a, a solid line. I love the idea of prepping. I'm remembering you're giving me good flashbacks back to, to the younger years mm-hmm. and yeah, being being in the car. We finally we are in the car. Everyone has shoes on <laughs> and we're going. Oh, and the
2: first shoe got <laughs> taken off and dropped into the floor. Two hours later, right.
1: <laughs> but yeah, that that time in the car was always about serious prepping. About okay, remind me, kids, where are we going? Oh, we're going to the library. Okay. Why are we going to the library? Um, I don't know. Ah, right. We're going to go to a program where they're going to read us a book and then we're going to do a craft. Okay. So what do you think they're going to expect us to do at the library?
2: <laughs> so, what, what, what I, what I, I, I want to take a half a step back and I want to talk about the complaining. And I want to talk, uh, you know, flashback to something we were saying a, a little bit ago about the harmonious household is I think when a child has a tantrum and it's, and every child has tantrums and most adults I know have some tantrums too. They're just more subtle about it.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: yeah.
2: And um, the person who suffers the most from that tantrum is the individual having the tantrum. And I think we miss that sometimes as we decide as parents how to interact with this, we feel. And then the other thing that I want to point out about the tantrums is that the tantrum is me taking my pain and making it your pain. So if if you and I, Lindsay, were were uh, somewhere sitting at a at a library, and you said something I didn't like, and I decided to have a tantrum, and you said something I didn't <laughs> like, and then I decided to have a tantrum, and what what the reason I chose to have a tantrum is to punish you for not behaving in the way that I wanted. like That's what a tantrum is. It is your child punishing you verbally, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't learned you know, how to curse and swear, which is how they'll do it as teenagers, but they're screaming and they're making loud noise. They're sometimes embarrassing you in public, whatever it is, they're doing things that you don't like uh, auditorily. And I know this probably isn't a popular view. I don't consider it acceptable. It is being upset is fine, but trying to punish your family members, your your siblings and your parents, by screaming and knocking things over and whatnot is not an acceptable way of expressing your anger and your upset. And it's not productive. Right. And so they're against the rules in our household. Tantrums are not allowed. You can be upset. You can have emotions. You should have emotions. But expressing them in that way is not acceptable and uh, and is a punishable offense. So that
1: would be one practical way of dealing with the complaints, you know, that's, that's no lie. That's how the Santillas deal complaints
2: with that. Complaints are mm-hmm. not acceptable. They should be addressed. They can be considered, but I, I'm sorry. I, I phrase that absolutely. Tantrums. Hard. Tantrums. Tantrums. <laughs> complaints are fine and can be addressed and discussed. But again, our goal is a harmonious household. And it, when again, and your kids being four and seven, we're getting into this, this age of reason, we're getting in age-wise mm-hmm. to a point where we can start having much more uh, intellectual conversations. Let's think about it. If you never help with And the dishes ever. And dad always does the dishes. How much time is dad going to have to play games with you after dinner? Well, he's not going to have as much time. But if we all work on the dishes together, then we're going to have another half hour we can go play a board game before bed. Mm -hmm. There's harmony created and there's ease and there's convenience. If mom is spending all of her life slaving after you, then, and I point out to him all the time, who's in a good mood? Mom's not in a good mood when she's slaving after her children. And do you want mama to be in a good mood or a bad mood?
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's that's awareness, right? That's observation, and it's compassion, and it's empathy, and mm -hmm. it's selflessness. It all pours into that when they have when we teach that awareness. Hey, look at how this makes somebody feel, versus hey, when we all serve one another. Look at like you said, the harmonious home, and that's something that's so important to me. And this will be my last question, but I. I want my boys to have a solid ground within my home. And I think everybody feels that way. I want them to know who they are. I know I want them to know who, what they stand for, what their identity is, to know our family values, and to always be able to come back to that when they feel tempted or insecure or they feel lost. And I, I think that some people, as you guys mentioned, you know, it's not a popular view in the sense that when we cater to our children, we think that we're connecting them more and we're drawing them in more. Whereas I have seen that that independence almost gives them more of an appreciation for us as parents and more of a freedom and more of a joy in coming back to us. And so what would you say that this teaching, this resiliency, how does it make them feel more connected? Or does it make them feel less connected the more freedom that we give them?
1: Um, Well, first, I just want to say that I appreciate what you said about your family having a Way of being that you're always going to you're come back well to said. and stand Absolutely. on, um, and and we've tried really hard to cultivate that in our family by by writing it down, brainstorming together. Mm-hmm. How do we want to be? What what is this family all about? And we wrote ourselves a credo that we say out loud for every meal, just to say, okay, mm-hmm. this is our focus. And I won't lie to you, in times of of great despair or fear, uh, you know, that's what sings me to sleep is my is my credo that we wrote together
0: can you share it with us would you be willing right here right Right now
1: i am grateful for the health health of my mind body and spirit and and the the beauty beauty that surrounds me every day i'm grateful for the opportunity to create my destiny which which i greet with optimism confidence and joy joy. all All my life i'm grateful grateful for the love of friends and family whom I, I serve, serve with generosity, generosity patience, and, and kindness. kindness. For, for this moment, moment for, this this day, for this day, for this, this life, life,
0: I'm truly I'm grateful. grateful. Hmm. That's beautiful. I love that. But
2: then to actually answer your question. Right.
0: Yep. <laughs> no, I mean, that does answer. I mean, I'm sure my audience is going to love that. They're going to say, hey, can you write that down for me? I think it's on page <laughs> an email?" of
2: the book, if I remember correctly. Oh,
0: perfect. Okay.
2: But um, so what was your question again?
0: How do we create resilience? No, what? Yes, and does the- it make you feel less connected?
2: No. Does it make your children feel less no. and connected? And this goes back to the, the mountaintop, is that independence and connection are... Are developed together and in tandem. We can only really be connected to another person when we both have a high degree of independence. Otherwise, our connection is shallow and um,
1: debilitating.
2: debilitating It's what you talked about with the 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 spouse who can't stand on their own two feet and requires. That's not a healthy relationship. That's you know that's whether it's you know someone assisting someone else. Whether and those are. Those are relationships that exist, but that's not what we want to have with our with our spouse. As we're talking about our grown children, it's not what we want to have with our with our children. They, they, the more independent they are, the stronger our connection as two vibrant human beings can be.
1: And I want to be be good about our terms here. Resilience and independence aren't the same thing. Resilience is being strong, adaptable, and able to recover. And in our opinion, you can't be resilient without being a person who is connected to other human beings.
0: Hmm.
2: Independence and connection together form a resiliency.
0: I love that. Well, thank you both so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate your, I think, just humanness. Like you guys are just, <laughs> you're honest and you're fun. Oh, and Thank you. Likewise. I, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. And I, um, I'm really excited to read your book and to dig more into it. And that's something, you know, my husband and I were just talking last night about, the importance of hearing from other people and allowing people who have gone before us to teach us. And that's what I why I love what I do because I feel like I'm always learning and taking in information and just have the opportunity to practice certain things in my home that Really, I mean, so many things that I've learned from conversations like this one have truly transformed my relationship with my children. And that's what I just want to challenge the listeners to. You know, We can very easily listen to this on a walk or while we're doing the dishes and then move on with our day-to-day lives, but nothing changes if nothing changes is my motto. And if we don't actually take action to implement the things that we're learning and to try to create a foundation within our home and try to allow our, our children to have some freedom even in the chaotic world that we live in because they're going to be adults in the chaotic world that we live in. And so what does it look like for us to prepare them well? And so um, everyone, check out Resilience Parenting, Raising Resilient Children in an Era of Detachment Independence with Chris and Holly Santillo. Can you tell us where they can find you on social media, um, the best places to keep up with you?
2: Of course. Our website is resilienceparenting.info and uh, and they can find us on all the various and sundry uh insta face
0: grams. <laughs> <Correct>. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> well thank you. It was an honor. Likewise, Lindsay, thank
1: Likewise you your podcast, just like you say, it's so helpful to hear other voices giving us inspiration for how to be better folks and, and just having a conversation. It gives us mm-hmm. gives us fuel to want to try and do better even Even better than yesterday, right?
0: Thank you. I love that. Well, and for all of our audience, if you enjoyed this conversation, make sure to tag us in your shares on Instagram. Let people know what you learned, what you gained. Every friend or family member is helped when we are willing to share this information with them because they may not have access to these resources or they may not be following anybody who cares about the intentionality of parenthood. So make sure to share it with the people that you love, the people in your life to help them to be better parents. Um, We love hearing from you. So always feel free to take a screenshot, share, or send via text. And if you haven't already, we would love if you would give a rating and review on iTunes. I love your feedback and hearing back from you. But as always, I've enjoyed being with you all today and I will see you next Monday. Love you guys. Bye.